Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We are in our sermon series, John. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are appreciative of the work that we know that you have done for us upon the cross. Our prayer is to be a church that encourages one another to share that truth with others so we can be part of you working through us to bring others to a saving faith in you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. How many of you know what this is? Some of you know. Nowadays, it's a little bit different, isn't it? They can, they can read these meters from wherever it is the power company reads these meters from. I'm sure there's still meter readers that go around and check in some parts of the country, but a lot of times they can just tap right in and see exactly how much electricity you're using. This is actually called a standard electric power meter. And this is how it works. It actually acts as a clock-like device that's driven by electricity moving through it. And the power lines are provided by the electric company. And there, the home draws the power from these power lines. And, and this meter tells the power company how much power you're using. And then once the electric company knows exactly how much power you're using, they will bill the homeowner accordingly. It's a very simplistic concept. Your home is connected to the electric grid. Most modern homes are connected to the electric grid. So if you choose to use the electricity, if you choose to use the electricity, you'll get billed. However, if you choose not to use electricity, you will not get billed. It's really that simple. But however, what's the main reason for one to want to use electricity in the first place. What is that, that main reason? I think most of us would say it's because we want a little bit of light, don't we? Lighting provides illumination to the darkest corners, even in our home. Even the darkest corners of our home can't be seen without lighting. Therefore, it's the choice of the one living in the home to either use the electricity provided by the electric company as your house is connected to the electric grid or you could just you know go with the alternative and sit in darkness if you choose not to use the power that has been provided for you actually this could all be done even to a further degree by simply just pulling your shades down then you could be in complete darkness if, if that's the way in which you want to operate within your own home brothers and sisters there's something very clear from our text this morning. Now, we're talking about light. We're talking about electricity, but this is man-made light. This is man-made and generated electricity. But there's one thing that is very apparent from our text this morning, and that is this. The text will tell us this morning that Jesus is the true light. We understand that he gives light to everyone. That is very apparent. He gives light to everyone. Well, let's just find out 
who that everyone is, though, and get into our text. And this morning, this brings us to the title of our sermon, The Light. The Light. As we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we are looking at verses 6 through 13 today. That's where we're going to see all of this come true. But before we continue, we can't forget about last week when we started with the Gospel of John. We were encouraged in that Jesus is the ever-existing God of salvation. That was the main idea for what we saw in John verses 1 through 5. And this is because Jesus is God in human flesh. John made that very clear. He's ever existing because he pre-exists creation. Because what does Genesis tell us? In the beginning was the Word. He coexists within the Holy Trinity because again, what does Genesis tell us? He was in the beginning with God. And that is actually from our text last week as well. And he self-exists as creator, sustainer, because we realized last week John reminded us that all things were made through him. Today we recognize Jesus as the true light. We're going to be encouraged as those who've chosen to receive him. Just like you would choose to receive the electricity coming into your home from the power grid from the power company. We've chosen to receive him. Again, we're going to find out who those ones are, those everyones that are being talked about here in our text. And with that being said, let's get into these verses. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we're going to go ahead and put them into this sentence that makes sense of everything that we're seeing. And the main idea for everything that we see in the text today is this. The true light came into the world to expose eternal darkness. The true light came into the world to expose eternal darkness. Now, as we begin with verses 6 through 8, I'd like to begin by sharing a prophecy that was prophesied first from Malachi. Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will appear or prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. See, this was written 400 years prior to what John is writing here about somebody else. Because what does it say here? It says, there was a man, in verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is not a reference to John himself, John the Apostle, the one writing this gospel. That's not who we're talking about. This is actually referring to John the Baptist. Malachi, 400 years prior to, prophesied the coming of John the Baptist. So, 
The question we need to ask at this point is this. Who was John the Baptist? Or who is John the Baptist? He was a forerunner to Jesus. His job is as described in Malachi 3.1. And let me reread just a, a short portion of this because this was his job. I send my messenger and he, now mark, mark this, he will prepare the way before me. He's the forerunner. Now, in verse 7 here, it says, John came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Now, now here's the thing, and it's been said by others, and I tend to agree with this. In order to be a good witness, in order to be a good witness, you cannot attract attention to yourself. You have to attract attention to the person or facts that you actually represent. That's what you have to do in order to be a good witness. Brothers and sisters, John the Baptist was a good witness. He was a good witness. What does it say? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And what does he say in verse 2? It says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, you might be wondering where I got that from. That actually comes from Matthew. It doesn't come from our text this morning. That comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Again, in those days, Matthew's telling us John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And because he's a good witness, what happens? What does he say? A good witness of the Gospels would say what John says. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, before we continue any further, we must understand that repent means to turn away from your sin and turn back towards God. So a good witness would never neglect to preach repentance. A good witness of the Gospel would never neglect to, re to preach repentance. In fact, John the Baptist preached a baptism of repentance. That's how good of a witness he was. One in which that looked forward to the coming Messiah because it has everything to do with Jesus. Our repentance has everything to do with Jesus. Our repenting has everything to do with us responding to what we know about the grace that we've received from God because we can't save ourselves, right? because we rely upon the work of Jesus. So much so, John was imprisoned by King Herod. He was such a good witness. Why? Well, he called for Herod to repent. He was so on point with his message of repentance, because it was the message of Christ that he was even telling King Herod that he needed to repent. Why? Because John knew that King Herod had taken his dead half-brother's wife to be his own wife. And John was calling him to repentance from that behavior. He found himself imprisoned, and then when he was in prison, he sent two of his disciples to inquire about this Jesus character that he'd been hearing about because he thought just maybe that Jesus was the Messiah in which he was paving the way for. And so we pick that up in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, where John sends his two disciples to Jesus. This is the encounter. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, 
Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, really that last verse, in my opinion, should read like this. And blessed is the one who is not offended by repentance. That's what Jesus is saying. This is how John prepared the way. This is how John ended up in prison. This is how John ended up beheaded by Herod because he stayed on message no matter what. John was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light as we see here in our text this morning. And John, again, was a good witness. John was a good witness. In fact, Jesus himself said that John was the best. Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus himself says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Brothers and sisters, if John the Baptist was a good witness, then we should be good witnesses too. We should be good witnesses. We should stay on message consistently as it pertains to the gospel message. Now, hold on, I understand. And we talked about this earlier this morning in our Sunday school hour. Mike used a brilliant illustration or analogy where we would say, sometimes when we talk about repentance to a non-believer, it's like hitting them over the head with a sledgehammer. We need to be strategic in the way in which we preach repentance. We never water the message down, but we apply the message strategically when the timing is right. Because we're not called to be Jesus. If we were, we would be able to save ourselves. We can't. But we're called to share Him. And John the Baptist is a good witness. And he is our model on how to do just that. And this brings us to our first point this morning. The coming of Jesus was prefaced by repentance. The coming of Jesus was prefaced by repentance. Now, some of you might be wondering what that word preface means. It just simply means an introduction. The coming of Jesus was introduced first and foremost through repentance. And that's the message that John the Baptist came preaching. He stayed on point. He stayed on message. He was very consistent because John was a good witness. Now, as we move on to verses 9 through 10 and verse 9, we begin to recognize our standard electric power meter illustration from the beginning. See, remember, your home is connected to the electric grid, but it's your choice as to whether or not to use the power company to illuminate your home from being dark. 
Now, Jesus, as the text tells us here, is the true light who gives light to everyone. Now, remember, we, we asked that question really quick before we got into these verses of who the everyone is. Who, who is the everyone that Jesus provides light to? But in 1 John 2.8, we know that God's word says the true light is already shining. Also in verse 9, it's connected to Romans 1, verse 20, where Paul tells us, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. So basically what Paul's saying is, Everything has been illuminated to everybody, so no man can stand before the Lord someday with an excuse and say, well, I had no idea. See, this is actually known as general revelation. General revelation is when you understand that nobody that you know, or nobody that you would know that would know somebody else that might know the person who actually, if you go all the way down the line of possibilities throughout history of every human ever created, could have possibly created the sun, moon, and stars. That's general revelation. We look at the sun, moon, and stars, and we say, someone had to create what I'm seeing. When we stand before the Lord someday, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're saved or you're not saved, whether you're in a relationship with the Lord or not, you can't have the excuse that you didn't know because you can go outside and look at the sun, moon, and stars and know that somebody had to create God has shown all of creation that he is a creator God just through simple general revelation. Now, if there's general revelation, then there has to be something else. And that something else is special revelation. Special revelation is the message that John the Baptist came prepared to share with everybody as he prepared the way for Christ. The message of repentance, the gospel message. That is special revelation. And that is only for those who have chosen to receive the grace that God has extended to them. So with all that being said, general revelation clearly does not save anybody. Nobody's saved because they've acknowledged general revelation. General revelation does not reveal Jesus entirely either. There's nothing that gives us that indication. And general revelation can't do something else then. Because if it can't save you, then you know what else general revelation can't do? General revelation can't condemn either. So general revelation is nothing but a precursor to get us to realize that there is intelligent creation. And it's for us to understand now when Jesus has illuminated the gospel through his personhood and his work while he was here, on earth for us to take what we know of general revelation and compare it to the special revelation because Jesus, as it tells us, is the true light, but the true light is what we see in special revelation, but it's also the same light that's illuminated all of creation to begin with. We're seeing consistency. We're just seeing it come out a little bit further. And it's not until Jesus came into the world that special revelation began to save. That special revelation exposed Jesus entirely. And that special revelation condemned those who reject grace. General revelation can't do any of that. But special revelation can. Everyone has seen how the light exposes this temporal world. 
Everybody experiences day, everybody experiences night, but not everybody will accept the light. Not everybody will accept the true light as he exposes the individual's eternal state. That's what we see in the gospel. General revelation can expose day from night, but it cannot expose all of Jesus. Only the gospel can do that. And when the gospel exposes our true state, we see where we were heading. We had a glimpse into our eternal state. A state of darkness without light. And it's because of the intervention of Jesus in our life that we now have the light, the true light, exposing our now eternal state, our best life to come, which will be in eternity. Brothers and sisters, again, this is why we must be good witnesses like John the Baptist. Because as verse 10 tells us, He was in the world, he was in the world, yet the world did not, what? Know him. So do you know him? Do you know the Christ? Do you want to be part of making him known? Some of you are maybe wondering how. How? How do I come to know Him? How do I go about making Him known? I would say it's simple. Live a life of repentance. Live a life of repentance, not a life of perfection. That's how simple it is. I will tell you this from my own experience. One of the best ways to share the gospel with anybody is to be in active repentance. When we are concerned with allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sinfulness, and we choose to repent and turn back towards God and turn away from our sin, when others witness that behavior, that is the best way in which we can show Jesus to others because it shows others that even though we've been saved for X number of years or however long we've been walking with the Lord, we still need Him. We still need to learn how to live from His grace each and every day. That is the best way that we can share the gospel. And I know it's true too because what did Jesus say about John the Baptist, that's right, he said that he was the best. This text is telling us this morning that he's a good witness. And what did he do as it was recorded in the book of Matthew? What was his first message? Oh, that's right. Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I don't know about you. But I'm comfortable enough in my relationship with the Lord to not look at that as being a sledgehammer. I look at that as being an encouragement in my life to want to turn away from my sin and turn back towards God. In verses 11 through 13, verse 11 is actually 
Three things. It's remarkable, it's humbling, and it's sad. All in one. We observe the Creator as He comes to His planet in which He created. The one in which He created and His own people in whom He created this world for, what does it say? Did not receive Him. Charles Spurgeon had this to say, that favored circle, the Jewish nation, where revelation had been given, even there, there was no place for him. He must be despised and rejected even by his own nation. The coming of Jesus is where we cross over from general revelation to special revelation. Jesus comes to reveal eternal salvation. That was the point of him coming. And he got flat out rejected. Rejection, however, is not necessarily failure, and that's something that we need to keep in mind, because a few examples I'm thinking of, in 1832, Abraham Lincoln was fired from a job, and then he lost a campaign to be a legislator in one year. And then the next year, a business that he started went bankrupt and failed. Warren Buffett was rejected from the Harvard School of Business. Look what happened to Warren Buffett. Look what happened to Abraham Lincoln. He became president. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team his sophomore year. We all love a good comeback story, don't we? Comeback stories make for great movies. They, they make for great reads and good books. However, there's a, a difference here. This is no comeback story. This is Jesus. This is God in the flesh, as it says, having come to all who did receive him, a remnant of the Jews who have given him the right to become children of God. That's what he has done. He gave them the right to become children of God. So how do we become children of God? What is it that has to happen See, first and foremost, if we just go back to last Sunday when we covered verses 1 through 5, we understand that we must know first and foremost that Jesus himself is God. And we must accept his grace. It's a gift. He's given us the gift of faith in him and his work upon the cross, not us and our work. Standing before the Lord based on general revelation in us and our work alone, won't get us very far as it pertains to the true light that illuminates eternal life. And when we do accept this grace, we are, as it says in the text, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So as Joe comes up and we close out this morning, brothers and sisters, again, this is no comeback story. This was the Lord's plan from the beginning. Think about that. This was His plan from the beginning, yet He still created, knowing that He was going to have to come to His own creation, knowing that when He came to His creation, He would be rejected. Isaiah 53.3, he was despised and rejected by men. 
Knowing that he would be crucified, he still stayed on his plan. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All so we could become children of God. Also, so we could be, as it says here in our text, born of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel. This is the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this brings us to our second and final point. Children of God have accepted grace through Christ. Children of God have accepted grace through Christ. That's how we become children of God. That's how we become born of God. It's by simply accepting the grace that He has extended to us. We don't go find His grace. He gives us His grace. And it is our choice to repent and turn away from our sin and accept the grace that He has given us. And that's why we're saying the best way for us to be able to share this good news is by continually being in a state of repentance as sin is brought to our attention so we can show others how much we are reliant upon Jesus. Again, our first point this morning stated this. The coming of Jesus was prefaced by just that, repentance. That was John the Baptist's message. And we know that he was a good witness. Witnesses that we should be considered to be good to ourselves. And finally, our main idea that summarized all of these verses into one stated this. The true light came into the world to expose eternal darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our prayer is to share your good news with others. We want to continue to grow in you so we can make disciples who make disciples, who share the gospel message so others can come to a saving faith. Use us to do just that. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.